as we come to today's reading, just a bit of an um, idea of where we're going. So next week, we're going to take a break again from Revelation. It's going to be Father's Day and we've got a baptism. And then the last two weeks after that will be our final tour in Revelation, which will be yes, bringing together and the much more hopeful um, aspect of Revelation. As we go through this part, it can be quite, um, Revelation can be a difficult book and be quite challenging. And certainly today's reading is quite challenging, and I'll get to that in a moment of why it is particularly challenging for us. Just to go back, as I said earlier on, Revelation, the Greek word apocalypse, means to reveal by unveiling. That Revelation is a book that helps us to see truly by unveiling the truth of what's happening in our world. And that Revelation was meant to be read in the time of John as relevant for then in AD 90, and it's meant to be read for us today as something that's relevant. And part of today is looking at how that actually works, how we read Revelation today and interpret it today. In Revelation, particularly in chapters from 14 on, it becomes clear who the true enemies of God and humanity are. And they're pictured as a beast and as Babylon that rides on the beast. In the passage we just heard today, we hear God's judgment on, a, on them and why God judges them. But they are unveiled as the true enemies of God's people against God and even against the world, against humanity. So the beast and Babylon are the true, if you want to say, enemies that we face. Paul talks about, you know, our enemies are not of flesh and blood, but of rulers, powers and principalities. It's that sort of thing. So what does that mean? Let's just back up a bit and just read part of the passage before. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great Babylon who was seated on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and with the wine of whose fornication the inhabitants of the earth have become drunk. So he carried me away in the spirit into wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast. And on her forehead was a written a name, a mystery, Babylon the Great, mother of earth's abominations. And I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of the witnesses to Jesus. The beasts represent in Revelation, as in Daniel, kingdoms of power, of earthly power, and more specifically, kingdoms of military destructive power that have been upon and continue to be upon the earth. That's why they're beasts. They destroy and they are violent. They represent um, the nation's power to, to go to war, the, you know, the, the four horses of the apocalypse, the conquest. At the time of, um, of John, they were, those seven-headed beasts were named as the Egyptian Empire, the Assyrian Empire, Babylonian, Persian, Greek, Roman. If you look back through the, picture, the Old Testament, they are the empires that have conquered and warred against Israel and against the world. They are empires of violence. But then we have this picture of this seven-headed beast with, on top of it, Babylon, who is a mystery, who is luxurious 
and drunk on the blood of the innocent. And the question is, who or what is this Babylon? What does it represent and what are we meant to see through it? What does Babylon represent? As we do this, I just want to go back and um, go through some of the passages that talk about Babylon. Because it unveils part of, part of Revelation is it helps us to unveil who Babylon is or what it is. And it says, For all the nations have drunk the wine of the, the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxury. The picture that Revelation paints through these chapters is that while the beast, the military conquest, threatens and destroys, Babylon seduces with the promise of economic prosperity, wealth, luxury, what we would call lifestyle. Babylon seduces. Just come to me, I'll give you wealth. I'll give you prosperity. I'll give you all that you need to be comfortable and have a good life. And Babylon rides upon the beast. Part of what John saw is that what we would today call hard and soft power go together. We saw this in Rome. It had its legions that conquered. But then for the conquered states, for those people that turned over to Rome, it promised them wealth and prosperity. Just do things our way and we will make you rich. Hard and soft power together. Babylon is the promise of wealth. But Revelation unveils that this promise of the wealth is actually built upon the suffering of others. The blood of many. As I've talked before, in the Roman Empire, a lot of the wealth was built on dispossessing farmers, on um, them becoming laborers for low wages, producing wealthy goods and luxury goods for the rich people. And in fact, we can see that happening in our own world today, where in some countries people are paid far than a, less than a living wage to produce luxury goods for us, the clothes that we wear, the phones and the computers that we use. So the wealth is Babylon, and this is why God judges it it's not about wealth in itself. It's wealth built upon the suffering and the blood of many. And in the judgment part of Revelation, we read that the merchants in the earth weep and mourn for her, since no one buys their cargo anymore. So that when God judges Babylon, the rich and the wealthy mourn, for they are losing out their economic prosperity and their luxury goods. It's interesting if you read Revelation, it gets quite specific and it talks about what Re um, Babylon does. And it has this list of cargoes in chapter 18 and this is important, I'll go on why in a moment. Babylon trades in cargoes of gold, silver, jewels and pearls, fine linen, purple and silk scarlet, all kinds of scented wood, all kinds of ivory, all articles of costly wood, bronze, iron and marble. Cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, olive oil, choice flour, wheat, cattle, sheep, horses and chariots, slaves and human lives. Babylon trades 
in all those luxury goods, but ultimately it, travel, it trades in human lives. For your merchants were magnates of the earth, and in you was found the blood of the prophets and the saints, and all have been slaughtered on the earth. Out of their trade is actually built upon the suffering of many. So who is Babylon? What is Babylon? It's very interesting. If you, Revelation is a book that you have to, to study and to unpack. It's, uh, it needs a lot of work. But if you read Revelation chapter 18, you'll notice, if you know your Old Testament, like John did, that it's actually very similar to Ezekiel chapter 26 and 27. It almost lays out the same passage. But in that passage in Ezekiel, God, through the prophet Ezekiel, is condemning Tyre. Now, Tyre was an ancient nation-state which was an enemy of Israel and often warred against Israel. And it was a rich nation-state. And God, through Ezekiel, condemns those who, um, for Tyre, for not only its military conquest, but for seducing, for seducing Israel with wealth built upon the suffering of others. So the passage that we just read is John has looked at Ezekiel and is pretty much used that as the basis for this chapter. But instead of the goods that were condemned, which were in Ezekiel chapter 26, uh, we can see that and we know from the first century um, evidence that that list of goods I read to you was the list of goods that Rome traded in. That list of goods that John lists was the list of goods that Rome had a specific trade in. So we see this strange thing in Revelation where God condemns Babylon. But in doing it, John uses the condemnation of a city called Tyre, but now it's called Babylon, but John uses the goods of Rome. So which is it? Is it Tyre? Is it Babylon? Or is it Rome? Revelation asks us to see that it's all of them and none of them. Babylon is the spiritual power that lies behind the earthly economics powers built on greed and materialism. Tyre was an example of Babylon because it was an empire built on wealth and greed and the suffering of others. Babylon itself was Babylon because it was an empire of economic wealth built upon the suffering of others. Rome is Babylon because it is an empire of wealth and prosperity built upon the suffering of others. Does that make sense? All of those are representations of Babylon, but none are exactly Babylon. They are manifestations of Babylon in different times in history. So Babylon was tired, Babylon itself, Rome, and others have seen that in the midst of the slave trade, the British and the Spanish empires, because isn't that what they did? Conquered other nations, entered into slave trade, and built wealth on the suffering of others. So as we read Revelation, it, uh, it tells us this is what Babylon looks like. This is what Babylon does. Then it says to us, who or what 
is that today? There's a quote from this um, author, Richard Borkham, who says, who the prophetic cap fits must wear it. So as we read Revelation, Revelation exposes the nature of the spiritual realities behind earthly power. And then it's like, it's like a cap. And who does this cap fit? Wherever it fits today, must wear it. It is unveiled as the current manifestation of that spiritual power which is described to us in Revelation. And that is the task of discernment as we read Revelation as God's people to discern which empire, which nation, which way of life promises economic prosperity and wealth but is in fact built upon the suffering of others. And you can see why for us that is a particularly challenging question to ask. What's our response? In that passage where God judges Babylon, there's a pause in the judgment. And then John records, Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, so that you do not take part in her sins, and so that you do not share in her plagues. John was writing Revelation to a bunch of churches, seven churches, some of them were poor. Some of them were persecuted. But a couple of them were actually doing very well, thank you very much. And in one of them in particular, John, in the writing to the letter, says to one of the churches, you think you were rich, but actually you were poor. And he challenges them, you've been seduced by the wealth of Rome. You're not staying true to your faith challenge that perhaps we might hear today. For her sins are heaped as high as heaven and God has remembered her iniquities. So luxury, wealth and lifestyle can become their own ends. Goods that are produced at the expense of others, this is Babylon. And God's call to his people is, come out of her, my people. Oh, sorry. So I guess the takeaway message for us, as we read this, it challenges us to think, who is Babylon? What does it look like? And then for us as Christians, what does it mean to come out of her? To think, how much can we be co-opted by our society's promise of just go our way so that you can be happy, you can be prosperous, and you can have the lifestyle that you want? Our society doesn't promise us necessarily wealth and extreme stuff, but it says, you know, it's this idea of lifestyle, that you can have this great lifestyle, travel, have what you want, be safe. It promises that lifestyle will in fact bring us salvation. It seduces us with its promise, trust in our way, trust in what we offer, rather than trusting in God. So for us, the challenge is, what does it mean for to be people who say, actually, comfort and luxury are not foremost in my priorities? Yes, we need to live, and it's fair enough to want to have to be reasonably comfortable. But at what point do we say, God, enough is enough? What does it mean to us to live to people who say, 
actually we care about the suffering of others, to live differently, and to be people who live by God's way. And we've talked before about things like fair trade, and this is a big issue, and I'm not going to talk about what it means, but I'm going to leave that question with you, because that's what Revelation does. It says, this is the reality. And then it asks us to think, what does it mean for you to come out of her, my people? I'm going to leave you with that question. And as we go on to, we're going to pray in a moment, then we're going to go on the hymn, O Jesus, I have promised. Revelation is ultimately a call to that. Jesus, we have promised to serve you to the end, to put his kingdom and his love and his kingdom of justice and mercy first and everything else after that. Let's pray. Lord, often your word encourages us. It talks of you as a God who is faithful and loving and kind and compassionate to us. But Lord, your word can also challenge us deeply. Challenge where the loyalty of our hearts lie. What it means to be a people who show your love, to care about the world that we live in, to care about all the world. Lord, you challenge us and there's no, at times, easy answers. But we pray that we may have the faith and the courage to put you first to order our lives by your Son, Jesus, and the kingdom he calls us to. That as we go into the world, we may go as people who share your love for all people, but especially those who are most brokenhearted. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to stand and sing.